Hello, hello, and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. Today, I'm joined by the amazing Christy Russell. Now, Christy Russell specializes in early childhood. She's an educator, a musician, a music and mindset mentor, a speaker, a mama of two boys, and a wannabe play school presenter. I love it. <laughs> we had an amazing chat today um, because she is really forward thinking when it comes to the mindset of delivering music to young people and the importance around that. And we go through some wonderful ideas and techniques to improve how you can deliver your programs and increase the engagement, the connection and the response from your little people. And I think that's really cool. We are talking, we, we cover different areas and we, t- we talk about the application of some of these techniques that she uses um, with her students and beyond uh, to, to various ages, really, and we do cover that. So it's, if, even if you don't have preschool dance or that, you know, zero to five years or zero to eight years uh, age gap in your studio, I do think that this is still going to be a wonderful episode for you to listen into as we talk about mindset, you know, breathing techniques and and more. It, it's a great chat. I've really loved um, spending time with Christy. Now, we actually met through a women's business networking event. Uh, you don't typically see many performing arts people in the space of business, even though there are many of us. Uh, you don't normally see them in business groups and networking groups and whatnot, um, you know, in masterminds and, and so forth. So whenever I find one... <laughs> cling on for dear life and I'm like oh let's be friends so (laughs) it's nice it's nice to be surrounded by people who kind of get it you know Uh, so that's been really special now just a little bit of background here I want to give you her bio so bear with me because uh, I think it's really important to to get to know Christy before we jump into this beautiful chat which you're going to get heaps out of so stick around Uh, now Christy studying musical oh not musical, that's me. She's not the musical theatre lady. Okay. So studying classical piano lessons from the age of five and being awarded the prestigious associate diploma of music at the age of 17, Christy has always had a passion for music performance and a strong sense of self-discipline. Now we know for anyone here listening that has a, you know, a studio that is dance-based, movement-based, music-based, drama-based. Discipline is a part of that story, isn't it? So, so that's very interesting that she's been doing it from such a young age. Um, but it wasn't until joining a choir at uni that she really discovered the joy of making music with others. So she was graduating with a behavioural science uh, psychology degree in 1999, Christy decided it was time to get amongst real life, <laughs> inverted commas, uh, for the next four years, she worked as a piano teacher and discovered a passion for early childhood education, studying and working in children's services. Okay. So at the age of 25, she headed to the UK. She worked as a nanny and did all the things that we do. Um, she calls that part of her life her Hollywood movie, which is really quite interesting. You know, she she was had a position in Switzerland and, and did lots of fun stuff there. We fast forward to now. Uh, she made the move to Tasmania in 2017, so Tasmania, Australia. Uh, with her husband and young children, Christy decided to roll all of her experiences and skill sets into one and founded her own company, Movers and Shakers Music. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Since then, Christy has enjoyed amazing opportunities sharing the magic of music with hundreds of people through piano tuition, birth to five programs like launch into learning and set up for success, community-based events, workshops, movement and move, music and movement programs rather. Okay, so she's going to talk about her studies in neuromusical research, uh, which is really interesting, by the way. I think that's that was quite an interesting take from today's episode. Now, Christy believes that musical learning and mindset practices need to be embedded in all early childhood curriculums. And she is on a mission to educate educators, to educate the educators and support them to turn their knowledge into confident practice. So many good takeaways. All right, without further ado, let's kick off into the show with Christy Russell. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. I'm your performing arts business coach and host, Josephine Lancuba. This show is designed to bring you inspiration, information, and the instruments you need to create and grow the studio biz of your dreams. I will bring you a mix of solo episodes as well as interviews where I tap into the minds of industry experts. My career started as a performer over two decades ago. I later became a speaker, theatrical producer and talent manager, as well as having a successful teaching career in singing, drama and dance. Ten years into my professional journey, I became a mummer of two and with a baby on my hip, opened up my very own performing arts studio. From hardship and humble beginnings to four studio locations and a multi-six-figure performing arts biz, I know how to attract students and keep them coming back for more. And in the show, I will share with you my experiences to help you thrive and fast track your path to success. I know you have a spark inside of you with dreams and goals for the future. As your coach and mentor, I'm here to help you step into your limelight and be a cheerleader in your ear each and every week. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk studio biz and all that jazz. Hello, we have the beautiful Christy Russell, uh, who is a musical mindset mentor and the founder of Movers and Shakers. Welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you, Josephine. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. Yes, and I know you're in a busy time at the moment, so this this episode will come out after your big launch for your course, but we'll tap into that later as well and you can tell us about that um, because I think there's a lot of value there for anyone that's interested in future um, when, you know, you bring, you bring out all your beautiful offerings, um, you know, throughout the year. So let's talk about, firstly... Um, a little bit about what what exactly it is that you do. So I know, you know, we've talked about being a, a mindset mentor and, and movers and shakers being predominantly that younger early learning music foundations, but I would love to know more. So tell us about what it is that you do in the world, Christy. <laughs> Oh, well, how long have we got, Joe? <laughs> well, in a nutshell, because my my history and my work experience and life experience has been quite a patchwork of events and training and jobs and things that have led me to where I am right now. So my business is, well, my company is called Movers and Shakers Music. Now, that was a... Um, that was really born about six years ago when we made the move to Tassie, to beautiful Tasmania with my family, 
And I found out that um, my qualifications and experience as a kindergarten teacher in Victoria were not recognised by the Tasmanian Teachers Board. Wow. So, bit of a, yes, that's a long story. You can read I about it. I didn't know that it wasn't what? national. I didn't realise that those <laughs> yeah. qualifications didn't go across. That's really interesting. Uh, well, they technically they do but because there was a tiny little glitch in the system when I was on maternity leave with my own children the Victorian teacher industry um, brought in a new regulation I only had provisional registration because I wasn't working then when I went back to work with my children were a bit older we were already living in Tassie so it was basically null and void which Mm. I got really you know that was quite soul crushing because that's my life's work that's why I wanted to get into early childhood teaching. I've had a background in birth to five space for over 20 years. I have a background in piano teaching. I'm a classically trained musician. I decided to go, well, you know what? I've got many skills. I've got great passion about this. I'm going to roll it all together in my own company. So that's when Movers and Shakers Music was born. And I started, you know, reaching out to the community, doing music and movement program programs and um, sessions for young children and their families, going into schools. And it's really grown from there, um, grown into workshops for early childhood educators and carers, me going and visiting centres to do music and movement programs, me running um, kindergarten programs for our local schools, all to do with music and movement for early learning. So really that birth to five. So with that, you know, I brought my own experiences, my tertiary training, a whole lot of stuff, and it just grew from there. I just loved, I love doing it. I love um, engaging with the children, engaging with families, supporting them to um, bring in what makes sense for them, how, you know, because every family is different, every Every parent, every teacher is different, um, but always children love magic. They really engage through music and movement. And gradually the mindset um, element has come in through my own personal transformation through chronic pain, you know, healing myself through that, learning how to do simple things like breathing for mindfulness, you know, breathing techniques to cope with stress, to cope with, um, um, you know, anxiety or performance anxiety. So all of those things sort of really roll together in my business, Movers and Shakers Music. So that's why I think the easiest way for me to describe myself is a music and mindset mentor because I engage, you know, with my piano students or my music students and I engage with young children and families, schools, early learning centres through those modalities. And also recently I've started um, studying neuroscience, back to neuroscience, but neuromusical research. So they're really showing how musical training and musical learning can support particularly early childhood in terms of um, promoting literacy skills, getting them ready to read, um, promoting social skills, sharing, turn-taking, all of those things that are really important to learn, you know, in that birth to five space but bringing music and mindfulness techniques through as a way of teaching them the best way possible because that's the way we engage the whole brain and the whole body, the heart, the mind, the soul. Mm, I love that. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of the people listening to this show are, you know, performing arts studio owners or performing arts teachers. And in Australia specifically, we have a mindset around when it comes to business growth, we talk a lot about, get them in when they're young and then they grow with your studio, right? But 
The thing is, when you do offer these, you know, mummy and me classes, regardless if it's movement, music, whatever, or when you go into that preschool environment, yes, it, it's great for the business, but there is a lot that is what you talk about beneficial for the child. So yes, great for business, but we must also remember the development side for this age group and how important that is. So you talk about that it is important. You say, hey, this is really important for kids, but why exactly? I understand some of the elements you said, but but why do they need these things? Why is it important for little people to to learn music or to have this sort of you know knowledge at such a young age that's such a great question joe and it really comes back to that element of the neuroscience behind it so when if you think about our um our brain functioning and our development the space between birth to five well typically between birth to eight, but let's focus on the birth to five for the moment. This is when our brains are developing at the the most crucial part of our whole lifespan. Our brains are sponges. We are developing all the architectural um, foundations for later learning, for lifelong learning. So when we think about the things that we need for a healthy brain and healthy functioning, healthy hearts and bodies and minds, they are things like connection, so bonding, so that you get through singing to your child. Even if you don't feel like you can sing, you can still, you know, tap into that parentese, the that speech where you're, you know, you're using your voice softly, you're creating a safe connection with your child or with the children that you're working with. You know, that's instantly creating connection. So our brains love that. They really thrive on that. When we're feeling safe and connected, our cortisol levels, our adrenaline levels are very low, our hearts are happy, our feel-good hormones are circulating around. So that's really important structurally um, and you know, mentally and emotionally. When we talk about physical development, you know, we talk about coordination and, you know, even just something as simple as a beat keeping exercise. Mm. That's a really hard thing for a two and a three-year-old to learn. Once they get around three and four, it's a little bit easier to clap in time or to, you know, you think about how children learn to jump. A two-year-old is only just learning to coordinate those two feet at the same time and we call it a jump. Now, as adults, we think, oh, it's just a jump. But for young children, this is a massive step in learning. And it means that what we're seeing on the outside, what we as adults and teachers observe is basically what's happening on the inside of their brain. So their connections are happening between all the different parts of their brain, their language centres, their physical motor skills, their um, cognition, their memory, their ability to, um, you know, to communicate. So all of these skills are so important between birth and five and music and mindfulness techniques, so coming back to the breathing, they are just lapping them up at this mm. age, you know, and that's the, you know, children learn through play music and movement it's playful it's fun it's engaging all of our systems mm. and it's good too because I think sometimes people forget about the musicality sense even for a dancer like you talk about you know clapping in time things like that these are really simple exercises and and singing right yeah. being therapeutic and little ones they can sing along in the class you know even with the movement class you know singing along clapping along getting that rhythmic ability I think is is really key as well to their development over time mm. um so yeah I do love that and I think it is really important I mean I know my daughter for example she started classes very little 
probably about 18 months. I had my son in from two, but he only did it for a year. Now yeah. he's like, no, I don't want to <laughs> make me mum. for school, mum. <laughs> I know, but we sing at home, so it's a bit different. So, like, you know, um, I'll just put music on. They, they'll sing and dance. I caught them just yesterday, actually. Um, my daughter was on the microphone just doing, like, karaoke at home stuff, and and my son was, like, dancing and really <laughs> rocking it out to her singing, and I just thought, oh, that's really sweet. But it's, like you said, such beautiful connection. And I think that's a part of their bonding story as well. So, you know, having music is is so beautiful for that. Um, were you a performer yourself or were you always an educator? How did, how did it become that education was the forefront? Did you ever actually, you know, work as an artist or, or was it always that education piece? That's an interesting question. When you say performer, I am... Um... I started classically uh, classical um, piano training when I was five, and as part of that, I wanted to play in a Stedfords, in our local Stedfords. Yeah. So performing from about the age of six, yes. Um, as an adult, um, I didn't really do. I had a lot of. We did some paid gigs. I used to live overseas um, in Switzerland for five, uh, four years, and during that time, I really tapped into. Um, I got very friendly with a group of musicians. Um, they had a, a music shop. I used to sing backing vocals for their um, their band and then we used to sort of do summer festivals and things, um, doing Bob Marley and reggae, you know, sort of covers yeah. and things like that. And it was wonderful and I sort of helped them do a little bit of their managing gigs and things like that. So in terms of that um, performance, I never really sort of pursued it as a career it was always an extra um and then you know there's been times where I've you know gone into restaurants and things and I've been you know doing the the piano playing in the background so yes I have performed in some ways for like that monetary return yeah 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 but, um I don't know it was always more of a hobby and now um you know now once a month my husband and I because he's from Ireland we we meet with a lot of um local musicians and we do a lot of performances but again they're all for free because we just sort of we love that gathering you know traditional Irish music you gather together you have a trad set you know so there's a lot of things that I'm I'm doing that's just an extension of my hobby and I and nurturing the soul as well yeah definitely definitely what about um in relation to children and performance do you think that performance is a good thing for kids to be taking on or in relation to their like we talk about confidence building through performance what's your take on that yeah I look I think and you would probably agree with me and I heard you chat about this with um, Mel Lathoris we have a different generation of students coming in and Mm -hmm. we need to be able to connect with them and offer them the experiences that we know will help them but to aim it at what their interest is None of my students like doing exams anymore, right? Which I get a little bit sad because I think yeah. it's really good to have a goal yeah. to work towards. So instead of going, well, that's really frustrating, I just do pretend exams with them. I still teach them the theory. I st- still teach them the oral training and the singing and, you know, the the sight reading. But then we just do an in-house kind of, you know, performance. Like a mock, a mock exam. A mock one. And I do, you know, when I had a lot of students, I don't have a lot of students at the moment because I've got two other jobs that I do. But 
Um, you know, when I had, you know, 15 or 16 private students, piano students and ukulele and singing, we would have our little gathering at the end of the year or halfway through the term where they would get up and perform in front of their, just their families. And some of them thrive on that. And that's great. Some of them are absolutely frozen in fear. And I'm so proud to be able to support those students. You know, not one of them has said that I can't do it. They are absolutely panicking. And we work through the mindful techniques. We work through the breathing because I always bring that into the elements of my teaching. Mm. And they get on stage and afterwards they're like, oh, my God, I did it. So that's <laughs> so important. So yes, I believe that it's so important. And even when I was a kindergarten teacher and we do our end-of-year performance or just a little in-house performance, you know, there'd be always, there's always going to be those children that are absolutely, you know, fear struck and their bodies will just shut down that's when we use those mindfulness techniques that we've that we've worked through as part of their lessons as well performance anxiety can you talk us through a couple of suggestions for mindfulness techniques because i think um as studio owners or teachers we've all experienced those moments where our students do freeze i i have had that incident only a couple honestly in the last decade i think it's happened twice where i've had um kids backstage that just refuse to go on stage and and you you can't push them no you don't want to push them but you need to be able to try so the easiest thing I do is breath work and I've actually got one of my um free resources that I do probably every couple of months I put out something new so you can find that on my website it's um, we can pop a link as well in the show notes for everyone it's just a breathing guide it's five of my top tips but the trick is don't do it when you need it. Don't teach them when you're in the middle of a panic attack and you yeah. need them. Okay. Bring them in as an element of your, your routine already. So even if you're starting, um, you know, f- uh, with your warm-up, for example. So for me, I can, you know, I'm, I'm physically seeing the, the students sit at the piano and what we do is before we race into a song, okay, just take a moment. Just take 10 seconds just to focus on your breath and make sure that you're talking about breathing through your nose first. So you just breathe like you're smelling something through your nose and breathing out as if you're blowing through a straw. Now, the age of the children, you can have fun with this. You can do bee breathing because they love play. You can do snake breathing, you know, breathe in through your nose, breathe out, make a noise like a bee. So the actual art of breathing out, like making a noise, gives you that biofeedback as well. Snake breathing is the same. Breathe in through your nose. Let's breathe out like a snake. Mm. How long you can do it. And, you know, the younger the children, the more fun you can have with it. Use props, you know. Use it as part of your um, gathering, your routine, because I I would probably assume that you would gather together first, maybe have a little bit of chat about what you're going to do, have a little warm-up, use it then, use it if you need it throughout, and use it at the end as well. So you're really creating a ritual around breath work and a ritual around respecting and um, attuning to what's going on in your body physically because breath work gives us that element of attaching it to a a body part, you know, attaching it to your nose. Some people talk about mindfulness, you know, looking into a a flame or whatever, but the easiest way we can tap into our mindfulness is that if there's a physical element attached to it. So this time it's the nose and the mouth. 
When you struggle retaining your students when it comes to the end of your season or term, would you like to know the 10 essential points for retaining your students between enrolment seasons? Well, I've got the solution for you. Introducing my Student Re-Enrolment and Retention Checklist. These are 10 key points to help you retain your students and it's yours for free. Simply head to the show notes or josephelancuba.com forward slash checklist one. Now back to the show. I like that a lot. I like that you've also made it a bit fun when you talk about animals and things like that. So let's say that happens, right? So you've now built this up. You're in a situation, you've been working on this in your classroom, okay? (laughs) So, you know, I love that you used the word ritual. I think that's really cool because I've used breathwork in the beginning, but I've never thought to do it at the end. I think that's actually a nice closer to finish. So I do love that. Um, And then the child student is backstage and the moment's happening. Yeah, okay. So then you you tap into your ritual and say, remember how we do this every session, okay? Remember how we do this as a start and we're going to breathe in and we're going to feel what's happening, you know, if they're older students, that's when you can sort of um, bring their attention to what else they're feeling. Let's think about your hands. Are they feeling a little bit clammy? Okay, well, remember our breath work is going to help our calm our nerves it's going to help our body find a place of stillness it's going to help bring our energy to where we need to do it and with also something that sorry i'm backpedaling a little bit like it don't worry (laughs) doing this with your um the little bit older kids so i would say sort of seven eight onwards they have a little bit more capacity to understand this um the fact that when you are so when your energy and your emotions are really high you need to bring them a little bit back down so that you have the confidence to keep going with what you need to do so that your hands are still enough to play so that your body is um coordinated enough to make those dance moves okay because if our energy is too high we're going to be like a ferrari on a racetrack we're going to be crashing into the you know bring that element of fun and the visuals with it so when you're backstage you should be at a at a time if you've used that breath work and the and the ritual um, to go with it. You should be at a time where that can the brain is already trained, mm. already in the space, so that you can just focus. It's like on muscle your- memory, isn't it? It is exactly like muscle memory, Joe. Thank mm. you very much for making that clarity because I can tend to go off on a track. <laughs> I like it. No, that's right because, I mean, especially with dancers, muscle memory is so important. So exactly. we're really talking about the same concept here but in a sense of being calm, basically gathering ourselves together and collecting ourselves. I think it's interesting because I don't think... I think obviously in a music and a vocal studio sense and a drama sense, studios are incorporating breath work. Mm-hmm. Well, they hopefully are. <laughs> incorporating Sorry? breath work I- into the practice. Mm-hmm. I love that you've talked about it as a as a regular ritual. I think that's something people may not consider. It's not just an exercise, it's a ritual, and that's really key. But I actually think that more dance studios, because like you said, it's a 10, it can be 10 seconds, it can be 30 seconds. I actually think that's beautiful because I know that most dance studios do not incorporate breathwork into a class. What a simple, simple thing to add as part of the warm-up and cool-down routine 
or ritual. So, yeah, yeah that's beautiful because it's not just about the movement or the performance. It's about the confidence, the calm, the centering. Yeah. 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 What's your thoughts on that? And I think also it's about connection. And this is something that I talk a lot about um, in my music and mindset course as well. If we aren't connected and in tune with ourselves, we're going to really struggle to connect and be in tune with others. And that's part of my personal transformation. I've, I actually didn't feel connected to myself until I was 30. I'm 45 now. Mm. And I, I remember the day that I felt connected to myself. I was in St Kilda, living in St Kilda. I'd been overseas for a long time. I'd come back. I was a bit lost. I'd been, you know, I'd never really connected with myself and spent time with myself. I'd always been, you know, flitting off here and flitting off there. And I I did a lot of personal transformation work. And I remember being at this massive big crossroads in St Kilda and it was a sunny day and I felt this literal kind of light that came. This sounds really weird, but it came from above and it went through my body and I went, oh, my God, is that what joy feels like? Like I and I, I remember smiling and thinking, you know, I'd been happy before, but I'd never. I just from that moment on, I felt absolutely connected to me and my spirituality, mm-hmm. and then everything changed after that. I met my husband. I um I started. I went back to uni and did my um, graduate diploma in early childhood teaching. I became a kindergarten teacher. I felt connected to the children that I was working with. It wasn't just me as an onlooker in life. I was yes. involved in life. It was so beautiful, Joe. And I, and this is the, you know, fast forwarding fifteen years when I'm creating this course. But I think this is actually the key: connection and tuning into yourself. Mm. through things like breathwork, paying attention to what's happening in your body and mind, and then, you know, um, having the resources and the resilience to be able to cope with whatever whatever comes at you or whatever challenge you're facing or or to celebrate. You know, it's not just about the negative. I don't want to say negative, but not just about the challenges. It's about embracing the great times and the celebratory times and 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 the small wins, you know, you and I were talking about it before we pressed record, celebrating those small wins in the bigger picture, you know. So connecting as dance, as dancers, as artists, as musicians, as anyone in the creative field or anyone working with people, connection is so important. And, you know, if we can connect with ourselves everything else will actually roll on and make more meaning in our lives, you know. Yeah, and look, the 20s is a really um, tumultuous time, especially as, like, if you're a performing artist, oh, my God, the 20s, you think it's, you got to make it by 30 or you're out, you know, like it's so ridiculous. (laughs) And 30 comes, he's like, oh, whoops. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I actually, going back to what we were talking about before we hit record because... There was a few things in there um, and I wrote down a little note to self to, to bring it up and that was because you're talking about connecting to yourself and that's that's so important. I agree with that and I feel like now that I'm 40, mm. I'm actually so much more comfortable in my own skin. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but we talked about comparisonitis, right? So yes. comparing ourselves to others. A little bit off track, but I actually think this is really important because in the arts, we see it a lot. Not not just as like not just as um, our students are comparing themselves to others in the space, mm. 
mm. comparing themselves to the what they see online. Ooh, We're comparing ourselves as businesses to mm. other, like the studio next door has a hundred more students than me. And what am I? And, and we can get really hyper focused in comparisonitis. Um, what's your your take on that from a business perspective, but then also from a student protection perspective? Yeah, there's that's such a deep question and a and a whole topic to think about. But it is really important to talk about it because I think let me gather my thoughts and see where I can go with this. But I think. It all comes back to our own mindset, whether we are having more of a fixed mindset, oh, this is the way that this has always been done and I'm not going to do it differently and this and that. And if you do have that more of a mindset, then you will look at people as competition. You will look at them as um, they're doing better than me or I'm doing better than them. You will have that kind of hierarchical, you know, <laughs> I don't really know the words to explain it, but the the way that you engage with them with those kind of experiences and the things that come in, um, in your path won't help you grow and learn. So when you have a growth mindset, when you're accepting of um, all the challenges that you have, all the things that you've done, um, you know, respecting your own voice, I think when you're you're more likely to have experiences that are authentic and that don't matter so much on the outcome but the journey and I know that's a little bit of a I'm not being very clear in what I'm talking about no but I, I totally hear what you're saying I think yeah. that's that's very important to shift from focusing on you know comparing yourself to others and and I get what you mean by sort of falling into that negative trap then going to versus a growth mindset where yeah. you know sort of we can't we can't look at others and especially not knowing their background. So sometimes we're comparing ourselves today to someone yeah. who's been doing it for 20 years or, or maybe, you know, in, there are studio owners out there that inherit businesses from their family and there's all different things going. And even if it's not, even if you're exactly the same starting point, there are circumstances, right? Like we were talking about circumstances before we hit record. I'm like, I've got two young kids. I'm running, you know, four studio business locations. I'm doing a coaching business and, yeah. you know, and, and it, it can feel like you don't want to make it an excuse, mm. but it feels hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about yeah. students? That's mm. the thing. So how do we... How do we combat that in the classroom? Exactly. And that is the question. Like we can talk and be philosophical about it, but how do we actually address that? Because we are up against, and when I say up against, you know, we do have such an influence with social media and oh, what we see time. with the voice. And I just interviewed Dr. Anita Collins on my podcast recently, and we were talking about the same thing. I asked her, where did she feel like these myths that a musical person is someone that sings in tune? or plays an instrument, where do we have, where are these myths coming from? And, you know, her take on it is something that I believe as well. It's really the social media that shows like the voice and, you know, they, they're great, they're entertainment, but they're also reality TV. They've also, their intention behind it is to, you know, put up in big lights this farmer who's never really sung before and now, you know, whatever. Now it's, he's a rock star. It's really, it's cool. <laughs> I've like, got to tell you, we love the voice. I, I just so you know. I, love too. I don't I like the drama that the final. <laughs> this was recorded before the final by the way 
Um, oh my goodness. No, but, but I, I do. No, I do. There's, there's definitely an element that we need those things. We need those different perspectives. We need lots of different perspectives of what musicality is, what what success looks like. Because, But at the end of the day, we need to be starting early. And this comes right back to your initial question. Why do we have to start so early? What is important about birth to five? We need to start having these conversations and instilling this love of and pride in self. And when I say pride, I'm not talking about ego. I'm talking about a human compassion for self and other, okay? I'm talking about building confident, self-resilient young children so that as they grow, they are going to grow into more confident, more self-resilient, more community-minded they will have the the resilience they will have you know the breathing techniques they will have a love of community a respect of, of valuing their fellow friends their colleagues they'll you know as they grow older they'll be their colleagues valuing strangers you know you don't have to be friends with everybody but we need to be able to practice turn taking and sharing yeah. all of these things are important at the early years so to, you know, it's a big thing when you haven't had that early years focus and you're talking about, you know, 12 and 13-year-olds that may not have had things like that and how do we shift their mindset? How do we support them to not get that, um, oh, my God, they're doing better than I am or, you know. Oh, that- and by the way, this is not just happening and, and 12 and 13, yes, but yes. I'm seeing this even on and this is why I sometimes and then this is not a judgment on anyone that uses YouTube as a tool and iPads and things but I do have some rules around how much consumption is happening in those spaces because even YouTube kids yeah I want to tell you I know they filter the content so it's not seen as perceived as dangerous or whatever but there is some stuff on there that's a little bit you know like even gymnastics shows where girls are talking about um for example I saw my daughter watching this show. It was on Disney mm-hmm. and they were talking about their weight and how it was meant to be body positive. It was yeah. meant to be saying, oh, I don't feel good because of my weight and blah, blah. And then I tried to say, no, you're beautiful. And blah. But I thought my daughter's not even thinking about that. <laughs> so now we're introducing yes. a concept that she hadn't even. So I just said, oh, look, honey, this show's too mature for you, sweetheart. Yeah. I don't think it's the right fit. And you, you can't watch it. Now, some people would think that's a bit hardcore. But I just, I don't, why does she need to have this conversation? I'm that parent and that educator that that really is a bit strict about what my kids are viewing and what they're tapping into and and not because I'm a control freak and it's not because I want to protect them from everything bad. You know, of course we want to protect them. But I just think there's there's so much more that we can learn when we engage with real-life humans, when we engage in nature, when we can engage in a creative expression like dance, like music, like music and movement, um, you know, everything. When we engage with real-life connect um, things, we're building our connection, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that COVID has had a lot of impact mentally on many many people where you know we've got this global trauma from it you know I understand that we've also got a lot of global resilience from it and connection connection as well so there's really two sides of the coin there but again it all comes back to that connectivity and here's another little neuroscience fact from you when children are engaging with humans 
they're building those empathy and social skills and you think way back to babies as well when they're engaging they're looking at your eyes they're looking at your face they're reading your expressions if you're putting a screen in front of them they are not getting any of that they are not getting a, mm. anything from a cartoon they're not getting anything from you know need your voice to speak to them they need however it sounds you know if you're judging yourself as a singer they're not judging you they just want to connect with you you yeah. know yeah i love so, that mm. Let, let's talk about that actually um let's just move quickly into this course that you have because yes. you're talking about i assume some of the principles of the course you tell me about it go tell me what is this yeah, course and what exactly is it about and who's it for yeah, so the Music and Mindset course, it's really the only online comprehensive course that I've found of this kind. So it's basically bringing, it's an, it's an eight module. So each week I give you a module, say, for example, the first one's on music and the brain. So I give you a little bit of the science behind why music is so wonderful for our brain. And then I give you an action step to take into your workplace if you're already working in an early learning centre or if you're a homeschooler, if you're a parent, you know, it is. Can we a, apply this to a studio environment? Um, if you were well, because it brings everything's based around the early years learning framework, mm. so our Australian curriculum. Um, and so if that's something that you are interested in and that you would like that sort of um, that link to a curriculum, sure. You know, it really is working on that birth to five. So yeah. The, um, the modules are all about, all have links back to that. So there's a module on um, your mindset. So we do talk about mindfulness, um, breathing techniques. Again, the neuroscience, I'm always bringing back that little bit of evidence-based research to show you the why or to give you the why behind it. And then I give you the practice to, to give you that action step to practice it actually in your workplace or at home because I think what we're lacking in many of the um, learning modules that we have especially in early childhood is how to bring our theory into practice how to bridge that gap now I have to say to you I'm very very um, I'm really passionate about this because do you know in any early childhood training there is no they don't have anything like this anymore no music and movement training whatsoever in there's a tiny little element in one of the diploma. I have friends and colleagues that actually teach Cert 3, diploma qualified and bachelor training. There's hardly anything to do with music and mindfulness. Yet the early years learning framework has just been updated after 10 years and the whole vision has changed. There's definitely more about Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander perspectives, but they're starting to bring more about children's mental health and well-being. Now, if we're creating a whole curriculum and a national standards and framework of learning, yet we're not bringing it into the actual training that our educators are getting. I mean, what what is going on? <laughs> like I'm just... Yeah, there's a disconnect. I get on my high sure. horse. There's <laughs> so definitely I'm, a disconnect. Yeah, and I'm actually in the process of trying to find out how can I get my course recognised by RTOs and RTAs because we need it children learn best through play through music and movement and you know those modalities we need to bring it in and it's not only my course not only benefits the educators that are studying this course the knock-on effect to the children and then to the children's families and their communities you know that's that's where it comes from you know yeah I love that so you know before we 
wrap up today. Um, I have a couple of questions that I, I, I like to finish on. And I think, you know, this is really um, great for the audience to get to know you a little bit better and maybe reflect on them own, their own selves. But what does success mean to you? What does it look like to you? Oh, gosh. Success means to me that I wake up in the morning and I'm excited about the day and I go to bed at night and I'm really happy with what I've achieved whether it's to do with my work, my relationship with my kids and my family, my friends, it just means that I have an inner peace and I'm confident that I've done my best and no matter what the outcome was, I've actually feel like it's made a connection and made, um, you know, put a smile on somebody else's face as well. So that's, you know, that's me in a nutshell, really. I love that. And who or what inspires you? Oh my gosh, nature. Um, Mother Nature. <laughs> That's yeah. why we live in the middle of nowhere in Tassie. <laughs> For anyone listening, Tasmania is oh. the very bottom little piece, the bottom oh. island of Australia. Yeah. That's and we, we had this vision to get our hobby farm and we've just got it and it's so beautiful. But look, I do. I find inspiration in the smallest things and the biggest things, but it really is to do with connections, you know, connections with people having fun giggle moments with my kids or going outside and oh just you know when the sun shines or you see a rainbow or yeah I'm a real kid at heart and I think as adults it's hard to sometimes tap into that but we need it yeah nature definitely helps what's a hobby farm you said you have a hobby farm oh yeah it's not really a hobby it's (laughs) full-time well we have what is it like what is it so we have 47 acres and we run some cattle, we run some sheep, oh. we've got lots of shooks, we have a, a beautiful marimba It's not dog. a hobby, sorry. No, no it's not. No, especially <laughs> my husband works full time and I'm three days a week and then my business. <laughs> but no, we, um, yeah, we have a beautiful. I'm a city person. That sounds like my worst nightmare. No. <laughs> well, yours is my worst nightmare. I love visiting <laughs> cities, but it's too much for me, too much noise, too much, you know, yeah. I need the trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And I did. I, I've always lived city based, but then I moved towards the beaches. So now I do feel love actually love really beach. lovely. I'm, I still like to be in walking distance to the shops or something. Yeah. I need to be yep. in industrial community. I feel yeah. like when we moved actually out here, I'm sorry, everyone, I digress, but yeah. when we moved out here, um, Northern Beaches Way, initially we were you know like we were renting a place before we sort of bought in the area just to scope it out a bit and there was um a house that we rented and it was a little bit bush like for me and there was like <laughs> the first day I remember we moved in there was a bush turkey I think that's what we call them, bush turkey in our front yard and I went oh my god what is this <laughs> and then we opened up our umbrella out the front and a bloody blue tongue lizard fell out and we're like that's gorgeous. See, I know. I, it took us a while and there were like caterpillars all over the fence. And and I just said to my husband, I said, where the heck yeah. are we right now? You freak out here, seriously. But I can tell, like, I love hearing people because, you know, everybody. Now so I love different. it, P.S. Now I appreciate it very yeah, much. Good. <laughs> Everybody has a different what gives them joy and totally. what, you know, if you're, you know, you can't judge people. you just got to, like, you know, see the see the connections and what what works for them, and it might not work for you, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong or that they're any oh. different. You know, it's just yeah, yeah I love that. <laughs> now, so tell me, um, Christy, yeah. what's next? Now, I know you're in the middle of the launch for your course. However, yeah. we, we yeah. know that that's going to wrap by the time this this yeah. airs, but that's okay. What's on the pipeline for you 
Yeah, so the next one I really want to establish myself, um, especially in our community here in Tasmania, um, I want to do more in-service workshops and really get people, get early learning services to see me in action, to hear me talking, to to help, let me help you understand why music and mindset is so important you know let me let me work with you to to not give you any extra work but to actually help you make your your routines your your staffing your you know your relationship with the children's make them actually thrive instead of just just you know plodding along you know really want to boost morale and spread a bit of magic and music, you know. Yeah, and um, your work actually helps studio owners in the long run because if it was more embedded into the curriculum, people yes. would be more interested in having it as an extracurricular activity yeah. too, which is also great for them. Exactly. It really is is that knock-on effect. So we start early and everybody in the future benefits from that. Mm. Um, so that's really what I want to do. And then I'm going to be a bit of a dog with a bone um, trying to get this course recognized with um registered training because i just you know it's the community groups that i'm on the, the observations i'm seeing the feedback i'm getting you know we need to get this into our training packages we really do it's it's so mm. crucial you know yeah i love that um yeah. now you mentioned what was that um free resource that we're going to have a link for everyone in the show notes yeah, that one's my five top tips to breathing Mm. Um, so really it is for parents educators anybody who wants some really quick and easy useful breathing techniques for regulation to help you calm down for performance anxiety uh, really easy to learn so you can find that on my website you will put the link down below um yeah yeah and where can people find you online yes so i'm movers and shakers music it's a bit of a mouthful but the movers has two o's because we're in dairy country Move and my little cow and a pig. (laughs) Love it, love it. And we'll pop a link to your website in in the show notes as well. All right. Thank you so much, Christy, for today. Um, I really appreciate you being on the show. It's been awesome. Thank you. I've loved having a chat, Joe. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by my signature group coaching program, Studio Biz Success an amazing and accessible online educational platform for performing arts studio owners designed to help you grow your business with confidence and get your results. Check it out at josephinelancuba.com along with other great industry resources to help you leap into the studio biz you deserve. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. You can tag me on social media at josephinelancuba and give it a review. Your support helps the show to grow so I can continue to provide you with useful, informative content. I'm Josephine Lane Cuba, your biggest cheerleader. Thanks for listening and shine bright. <laughs>